Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Thursday, May 24th, 2018. Today, Facebook and Twitter label political ads. Apple's self-driving car efforts fizzle. The DOJ is looking at cryptocurrency manipulation. There's a Pornhub VPN. And StumbleUpon is no more. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. They said they would do it, and today they followed through. Facebook announced this afternoon that it would be rolling out a disclosure system for political ads on Facebook and Instagram in the U.S. that will let you know who paid for the ads. This extends not only to actual politician ads, but also to so-called issue ads that deal with 20 specific topics. Advertisers wanting to run ads with political content in the U.S. will need to verify their identity and location. In the blog post announcing the changes, Facebook said, quote, These changes will not prevent abuse entirely. We're up against smart, creative, and well-funded adversaries who change their tactics as and when we spot abuse. But we believe that they will help prevent future interference in elections on Facebook, end quote. Hot on the heels of this news, Twitter announced that it would be adding badges and disclaimers for U.S. federal political advertisers and require identity certification and, just like Facebook, require that advertisers confirm they are located in the U.S. Candidates and committees will have to provide their FEC IDs, and non-FEC registered organizations looking to advertise will have to submit a notarized form. In its blog post, Twitter wrote, This is just the beginning of our efforts and increased transparency for all advertisers on Twitter. We will continue to iterate and improve our efforts in this space and will be providing updates along the way. So Apple still has a self-driving car project, but more and more it's starting to feel like they don't really have their hearts in it. We already know that Apple scaled back its vision to design an actual car on its own, choosing instead to focus on the software behind self-driving vehicles. Then it scaled that back to merely creating an autonomous vehicle for use by its own staff to shuttle Apple workers back and forth to their jobs. And it seems that Apple has finally signed a deal with Volkswagen to build those autonomous vans, according to the New York Times. The only problem is Volkswagen was not Apple's first choice partner. Apple had approached luxury car makers BMW and Mercedes-Benz to build the shuttles, but BMW and Mercedes-Benz turned Apple down. Apple's self-driving car project was codenamed Titan, and it was started all the way back in 2014. It once had a 1,000 employees devoted to the project as recently as two years ago. As Bloomberg's Shira Ovide pointed out, Apple spent $13 billion on R&D in the last year, a record 5% of revenue. We have to assume a large chunk of that was earmarked for Project Titan. And now the end result of these many years of back and forth is that Volkswagen, 
an auto manufacturer under a cloud of scandal because it was accused of cheating emissions tests will be refitting fewer than two dozen of their T6 vans as electric self-driving shuttles at a facility in Turin, Italy. Oh, and the vans were supposed to be finished by the end of this year, but according to the Times piece, that deadline will be missed. Over in Bloomberg, Alex Webb contrasts this state of affairs with Alphabet's Waymo, which has agreed to buy 20,000 electric SUVs from Jaguar Land Rover. Apple is still reportedly testing 55 autonomous cars on California roads, making that the second biggest fleet in the state. But it seems that in the race to actually get a consumer vehicle into people's garages, it sure is beginning to look like Apple has all but seeded the field entirely. A whole pile of news from Uber. The company announced its financials yesterday, reporting $2.6 billion in Q1 revenue and profit of $2.5 billion. Though that was largely due to $2.9 billion that Uber is getting after it merged its Russian and Southeast Asian businesses with local rivals. Without that windfall, Uber had a quarterly net loss of $312 million before interest, taxes, and other expenses. However, that loss is half the number that Uber reported for Q1 of last year. Quote, we had $3 billion of income on a gap basis because of the gain from the Yandex and Grab deals, an Uber spokesperson told TechCrunch. That's why we prefer to focus on EBITDA as the best number to show our underlying business in the quarter, end quote. As for total bookings, the total amount of money that Uber generates before paying drivers, the company reported $11.3 billion, up from $7.3 billion year over year. Following on this news, Uber announced yet another tender offer for existing investors and especially employees that will allow them another chance to unload their shares in an attempt to clean things up a bit before the expected IPO. These insiders will be able to sell their holdings at $40 a share, which would value the company at $62 billion. According to Recode, quote, the deal should appease some Uber loyalists who may feel they were unable to use their startup stock to buy a new house or pay off existing loans. Uber shareholders were only able to sell about 58% of what they initially hoped to sell in the initial tender offer because too many employees and investors sought to part with their shares. The National Transportation Safety Board finally released its official report on that accident in March that saw an Uber self-driving car strike and kill a pedestrian in Arizona. According to the report, the Uber car failed to identify the pedestrian or attempt to slam on the brakes until it was too late. The report says the vehicle's radar system detected the pedestrian six seconds before impact, but, quote, the self-driving system software classified the pedestrian as an unknown object, as a vehicle and then as a bicycle. At about 1.3 seconds before impact, the system attempted to apply emergency braking. However, the emergency braking maneuvers were not enabled. The human operator engaged the steering wheel less than a second before impact and began braking less than a second after impact. But by then, again, it was sadly too late. Bloomberg is reporting that the U.S. Department of Justice is working with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission to open a criminal probe into alleged manipulation of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. The CFTC oversees futures and derivatives tied to Bitcoin. According to Bloomberg, quote, the illicit tactics that the Justice Department is looking into include spoofing and wash trading, 
forms of cheating that regulators have spent years trying to root out of futures and equities markets, the people said. In spoofing, a trader submits a spate of orders and then cancels them once prices move in a desired direction. Wash trades involve a cheater trading with herself to give a false impression of market demand that lures others to dive in too. Coins the prosecutors are examining include Bitcoin and Ether. Authorities worry that virtual currencies are susceptible to fraud for multiple reasons. Skepticism that all exchanges are actively pursuing cheaters, wild price swings that could make it easy to push valuations around, and a lack of regulations like the ones that govern stocks and other assets, end quote. At the time of this recording, the price of Bitcoin stood at $7,546, down around 20% from the recent high the cryptocurrency hit on May 4th. In a related story, a group called the Anti-Fishing Working Group released a report today that estimates that criminals have stolen $1.2 billion in cryptocurrencies just since the beginning of 2017. The group further estimates that less than 20% of those stolen coins have been recovered successfully. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot, literally cannot live or at least work without it. 1Password. 1Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. 1Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. Pornhub today announced that it is launching its own VPN or virtual private network called VPN Hub. The idea of a VPN is that it allows users to transmit data anonymously and protects users from data collection, 
ISP bandwidth throttling, and geographic limitations. VPN Hub is available right now on iOS, Android, Mac, and Windows. There is also a premium option called VPN Hub Premium, which costs $12.99 a month. That will get you the same service with no ads and what Pornhub claims to be faster connections. Pornhub's VP, Corey Prince, told The Verge that incognito browsers don't offer enough cover from, quote, prying eyes. So this will allow users a greater degree of privacy and security. I missed covering this last month, but Pornhub recently began accepting cryptocurrency as a payment option, theoretically offering greater privacy as well, because the altcoin they are accepting is called Verge, which is a privacy coin. With Verge, anyone can view transactions on the public ledger, but you can also use tools like Tor to mask your IP address and location. So that's one way to keep those porn charges off your credit card bill, I guess. This really isn't a proper news story, just some facts to keep you updated on the state of things. Netflix yesterday passed Comcast in market value. Netflix stock gained 4% on Wednesday for a total market cap of $149 billion. Comcast, on the other hand, has a market cap of $147 billion. Guess who's just up ahead with a market cap of $153 billion? Disney. Again, this sort of data goes a long way to explaining the insanity in the media space. Remember the story about Comcast trying to block Disney from buying Fox's enormous library of content from yesterday? Disney wants the Fox library so it can have even more content to entice people to pay monthly for a streaming service. Comcast is a cable company, so it has little interest in seeing any over-the-top streaming service from Disney becoming successful, and thereby giving people less reason to pay for traditional cable. Why does Disney want to create a standalone streaming service in the first place? One word, Netflix. Netflix's stock, by the way, has gone up 70% just since the first of the year. Yes, the rich tech companies get richer, which reminds me, Wall Street generally has been quietly anticipating that one of these rich tech companies will soon become the first company to ever pass $1 trillion in market cap. The leading candidate, of course, is Apple. This morning when I researched it, Apple had a market cap of $926 billion. So it has about $74 billion to go till it reaches a trillion, which seems like a lot. But another way to look at this is Apple shares would only need to go up by about 8% to hit that magic trillion dollar mark. Not impossible. New iPhones are coming later this year. A little bit of internal news now. We, of course, thank you for making the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast a part of your daily podcast diet. But a person can't live on podcasts alone. So if you also have an email newsletter habit, we've got some good news for you. Tech Meme now has a daily newsletter. Whereas we post the podcast at 5 p.m. Eastern, the newsletter will hit inboxes at 5 p.m. Pacific. And what will the newsletter be? It'll be the day's top tech news, of course, as well as commentary with an assortment of detailed headlines and links organized by topic categories. It also will have a timely reminder of upcoming events like conferences and corporate earnings. The Tech Meme newsletter is yet another way for you to keep from missing out on any major tech news stories. To sign up, go to techmeme.com on desktop or mobile and hit the newsletter tab right at the top. 
I've seen you San Franciscans talking on social media about how it's changed the skyline forever. But the new Salesforce Tower saw its official grand opening Tuesday, and BuzzFeed's Matt Honan has a piece up that captures the flavor of your lovely city at this particular moment in history. It's a beautifully written long read, so I'll let you discover it yourself, but let me quote from these sections. Quote, Much like Google or Facebook, the Salesforce Tower is unprecedented in its scale, and it is hard not to think of the building as a manifestation of the radical transformation wrought upon San Francisco by the tech industry. Of course, what goes up must come down, and in tech, as in earthquake country, that can happen very quickly, no matter to which heights you once soared. See MySpace, the collapse of the Nibbets Freeway, Pets.com, the collapse of the eastern span of the Bay Bridge, Vine, Zynga, Jawbone, Jelly, Color, Yik Yak, the great earthquake and fire of 1906. But for a company like Salesforce, which passed $10 billion in its annual run rate last year, and its gleaming new tower, these seem like distant concerns, end quote. Speaking at the opening event, Salesforce CEO Mark Benioff boasted that Salesforce Tower was the greenest in the world, but he also addressed exactly the sort of cultural, economic, and other changes that tech has wrought in San Francisco. Quote, we see extreme wealth, a community with over 70 billionaires, but also grinding poverty in the shadow of this building. Benioff went on, quote, the challenges I've described today are not all the fault of the tech community. Just as I'm challenging the tech community to step up, I'm challenging others not to scapegoat the tech community, end quote. Benioff then went on to announce plans to raise $200 million to combat homelessness in San Francisco. Then, quoting from Honan's piece, at the end of the ceremony, the press was ushered into the nave of this newest tech temple. We were offered little cups of curds and whey with fresh spring vegetables to snack on. Finally today, pour one out for StumbleUpon, arguably the first Web 2.0 company, certainly one of the first of the modern breed of web discovery tools. StumbleUpon is shutting down on June 30th after 16 years of operation. I can tell you firsthand that StumbleUpon could deliver a massive amount of traffic in its day, and this was before things like Dig even. eBay bought StumbleUpon for $75 million in 2007, Original founder Garrett Camp bought back the company in 2009 and has been running it ever since. Over the course of its life, there have been 60 billion stumbles for 40 million users, according to a Medium post by Camp himself. Quote, 16 years ago, we started StumbleUpon to help people discover new web pages. The idea was simple. Click a button and find a cool web page. It was easy and fun. StumbleUpon pioneered content discovery on the web before the concepts of the like button newsfeed, or social media were mainstream. According to Camp, StumbleUpon's existing user base will be transitioned to Camp's new project, Mix.com, which Camp describes as combining social and semantic personalization to help users find obscure but interesting content that has been recommended by people they know and trust. FYI, in case you weren't aware, Garrett Camp was the original founder of Uber, back when it was known as Uber Cab, Right around the same time, he was taking control of StumbleUpon back from eBay. Hey, quick bit of pod housekeeping here. There will be no show on Monday. It's a national holiday here in the U.S., so under the assumption that it will also be a slow news day, we're going to take the day off. 
Also, my brother and sister-in-law just had a baby, so we're going down to meet her. So I won't be here for tomorrow's show or Tuesday's show, but I'm leaving you in more than capable hands. The host for the next two pods will be Glenn Fleischman, with whom I'm sure you're familiar. Glenn's been a longtime freelance contributor to places like The Economist, Increment, Fast Company, and Macworld. But most importantly, he's a podcaster extraordinaire. So be gentle with Glenn, although I know he'll be great. And in my absence, I'll leave you with this mashup of Jerry Springer and Bill and Ted. Be excellent to yourselves and each other over this Memorial Day weekend. Oh, and since I know you're listening, happy birthday, Lisa. Lisa.